welcome. We're back at the Natural 24-Hour Espresso episode for Pulp Cthulhu. If you're unfamiliar, this is where we talk lore and world-building based on different media, books, movies, what have you, in order to run your game better. And with that, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, doing good. Excited to talk about some pulp and uh, some stuff that I had been meaning to get around to checking out for a long time, and I finally gave myself an excuse to do it. I'm excited, I guess, to talk pulp. I Like I said, and I, I will say in a future recording... Because of our weird timelininess. Um, I, I, is a big genre that I didn't realize maybe as expansive as it was. And so I'm surprised just exactly how much stuff that I thought was actually really good stuff is in it. All right. Well, I'm also excited. Uh, I don't think I realized also how much stuff was in this genre that I actually enjoyed. Even if I don't have a very lengthy list to uh to talk about that i've already explored uh which seems to be a running theme so then i wonder what genres have i really immersed myself in (laughs) i don't know i almost feel like it's it's less of a genre and more of like a like a coat of paint or like an aesthetic quality or like a thematic like postmodern to so many different genres yeah like there's a motif that kind of holds everything a little bit together but nothing like solid yeah yeah i'd equate it to like i'd equate it to like postmodern right where it almost speaks to like an era of storytelling and hearkening back to that as opposed to a specific genre or anything like that yeah plus that's some literary theory Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i like that where it's yeah there's things that they share in common but uh nothing that actually makes them the same yeah yeah. All right. Well, with that, guys, uh, I don't know who wants to go first tonight. Let's just let chaos ensue. I mean, I'll, I'll start it off. I got no issues. Please do. Okay. So my watch list right off the bat here, just for some random things that people are really into the pulp scene, want some good suggestions. I'm sure that some of them will be stuff people have definitely seen. So they'll be, you know, maybe a little surprise even, hopefully. Um, one we've talked about before, The Phantom one of the Mm -hmm. oldest comic book mask hero things. And so that's ripped right out of pulp comics origination with the comics actually themselves makes the most sense of the movie would probably be exactly the same way. Um, The green Hornet through the, you know, that's comics, (laughs) the original movie and even the remake that Seth Rogen is a part of. The remake's real good. (laughs) Yeah, it is great. It was in a time that we had a big lull in superhero movies and it was, you could almost argue it was the turning point for what got Marvel started, even though it's not tied to Marvel. <laughs> I think so Marvel was already sense. started. So, so, like, you like, could argue. You'd be wrong, but you could argue yeah, it. <laughs> but I just, like, there was, I, when did it actually come out? I have no idea. But I feel oh, like it's going to be like 2008. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty exactly sure. That. I want to say it's like around so. Daredevil. No, it's I later than Daredevil. No, it's way older, no, than, it's way older than that. Yeah. yeah. Older or sorry, it's way newer than Daredevil. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say not older. I'm talking about yeah. like the old crap Daredevil. Yeah, no, Daredevil. Like that like, one yeah, was like 2002. Yeah, no. Why was it three? For the no yes. way. No, I'm looking. No, at the, I've got I was it. still in I've high school. It. So you know what? You know what, Jody? We'll split the difference. So I said 2008. You said 2013. It's 2011. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I remember so, watching yeah. it after we. Okay, had yeah, that's kind of when sure. superhero movies were on the 
come up for sure. It definitely didn't well, with no turning point whatsoever. Also, side note, as a child, I didn't realize how bad the Ben Affleck Daredevil was, and it holds <laughs> a soft place in my heart as something I actually genuinely enjoyed and had the soundtrack to, which was full of mm-hmm. bangers. Okay. See, when we were kids, we weren't bogged down by the realities of life, so we could just <laughs> enjoy things and like stuff just because we liked yeah. it. I'm also just going to come on and, like, as a comics fan, defend that movie as well. Because it's fantastic. And again, like you said, the soundtrack is amazing. And uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin is one of the greatest, like, casting choices of all time. Yeah. Uh, that makes me very happy to know that somebody who loves those comics as much as you do mm-hmm. has, uh, has a solid opinion of it. Yeah. But let's move on, Jaden. What else is on that list? <laughs> Here we go. Um, the Mummy series. Great oh, movies. yeah. Um, the Rocketeer, 91. Oh, so Solid good. Movie. Yeah, I haven't absolutely. seen that. Oh, you got to watch it. You'd like it's, it. It's worth a watch for sure. It's a weird one. It's weird, but it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a pulp horror, it's a bit more recent. Uh, Color Out of Space, it has... Um, Don't know that one. I can't remember his name it's right Nick now. Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage yeah. in it. At his so, absolute most bonkers, if you even think that that's possible. Yes, yeah, so like it's obviously Pulp just Wicker from Wicker? how silly he is well, in the movie. And it's also uh, a, an H.P. Lovecraft yep. story, so very relevant. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> it's really good, actually. Like, it's a solid horror movie. It holds up. He's crazy, but it makes sense in it. Um, Hellboy. No one ever yeah. talks about that being yep. Pulp, but that is Pulp yeah, as that's hell. That's real Pulp. Mm-hmm. And then another one from the kind of the same era that the movie I'm actually going to talk about, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Kind of a random old callback that some people... I don't think it was huge. It was just a... He's a guy. He has a cool plane. I think it's Jude Law. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm surprised that LXG isn't on that list. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Sean That's Connery. That's the movie I'm talking about. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm so sorry. Please, go ahead. Yes, well, thank you for the very nice introduction to what I'm talking about. Yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Let me tell you, if you were a film critic, do not watch it. Watch. You will not like it. It is not a movie that we will call a like a good movie by the sense of, like, filming or you know any of like their effects of even story structure but if you're just willing to have two hours of watching something fun and crazy and loose you could not find something better for a very rough overgeneralized statement of what it is it's a vampire a pirate two scientific abominations an old man an immortal and a secret agent and they have to save the world from a guy that goes by the name m and you're not going to be surprised who he is at the end because all of these are like open domain characters because of the actual original content that it comes from, which is an Alan Moore comic book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was DC. Um, and it was actually apparently pretty solid. Lots of people really like it. And they're not a big fan of the movie for what it actually <laughs> did to the material. To be but... fair, that's a theme with many things that Alan Moore has touched. <laughs> he hates his movies being, or his books being turned into movies with yeah. a passion. That's fair. At least, like, the Watchmen movie is arguably a good movie. I can see why he maybe doesn't enjoy it as the guy who wrote the story and what they did to it. Yeah. But it's... It, I, I think it's a better movie than this one for, like, an actual... Oh, for sure. ...point. But it is fun, and it, I think it is worth a watch, and it gives you some great stuff to use for your games. I think right off the bat, it shows a great team dynamic. Even though some of the times when people do stuff, it doesn't yeah. look very good, or what they're doing is pretty silly and over-the-top, which works for Pulp. But they're all, like... When it's time to use someone's key ability, they're the one using it. It's not like, you know, 
There's no barbarian coming in and saying, I'm going to cast a spell in the middle of the mission, right? They're like, oh, heavy lifting? Give it to Mr. Hyde. He's the big Hulk of the show. So <laughs> let's do that, right? And so they, I think it shows a good way to actually have a team dynamic in a game just for general players and how to play really over the top and silly characters if you're going to play pulp because these are the most like boiled down like photo, like snapshot of the characters they're trying to portray from like history. And it's just hilarious. Like they're not great examples of like the actual literature that they're referencing (laughs) in the movie, at least. I'm sure the comic again is probably a lot more thought out and interesting, but for like, if you're like, I need a one shot character, make any of these for pulp and you'll have a great time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and outside of that, it's got solid (laughs) message structure and like the story or like the mission idea in the back, although you'd probably want to change the stakes because blowing up a city the way they do it isn't really that scary. They could have done something crazier. And apparently they had an original idea where they were going to release a flesh eating gas into New York. (laughs) And that seems like a way cooler idea, but this movie came out in 2003 and they didn't feel that that was something that was appropriate apparently to do right after um, well, not right after, but recently after 9-11. Everything's right after 9-11. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Never forget. This is a movie that when it came out, I just feel like not enough love was given to it. But like as a kid, like, because you said 2003, right? Yeah, I saw it in yeah. theaters when it came out. Yeah. It was worth it as a kid for sure. It was cool as hell. Yeah, I was 12 years old, and it was right in that era that, like, I wasn't too cool to watch this movie, but, like, I was still young enough to be like, yes, this is so cool. Am I misremembering, or is this the movie that made Sean Connery retire from acting? This is last <laughs> okay. movie he ever did in live action. He did two other appearances as a voice actor for a weird animated film and one video game. <laughs> And then, you know, rest in peace, he passed away in 2000, or 2020. Yep. And, I, like, I actually watched, like, a behind-the-scenes video on this one the other day, oddly enough. And apparently he only took the role because he skipped out on so many others that went on <laughs> yeah. to be, like, billion-dollar oh. roles, like, in Lord of the Rings and Harry yeah. Potter and stuff. Yeah, he was supposed and to be Gandalf at like, one point. I can't miss the next, next big thing, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who directed oh. never directed another movie. Yeah. He quit. He said he hated Hollywood. He didn't want anything to do with it. Apparently, he was a nightmare to work with him and Sean Connery butt heads the whole time. I watched an interesting video yeah. on it all. And apparently, like, the whole it's not a surprise that it came out the way it did. They rushed it. They had the, one of their sets flooded and got totally destroyed in Prague. And so they had to, like, <laughs> totally change their filming cycle. And the developers are like, nope, you still have to meet your deadline. And we don't care that you have to take a year to rebuild a set. <laughs> <laughs> I like was legitimately surprised to hear that it was a bomb though because I fondly remember this one. I haven't probably seen it since I was like a kid, but like at the time I remember sitting in our buddy's basement big old like bag of chips and loving every minute of it i fondly remembered last starfighter until last month so (laughs) that's fair it actually Uh, i think i fondly remember that basement i think (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean outside of that i don't really have anything more to say if you're looking for a funny movie that's definitely pulp it's worth a watch don't take it seriously because it's not worth critiquing because I'll tell you, critique-wise, it's not a good movie, but enjoyment-wise, <laughs> it's actually still quite a fun movie. 
fantastic. Well, I'm going to go next here. Uh, so I was able to take some inspiration from the scenario we played, which was the Isle of Madness, uh, which was very obviously uh, a spin on the Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Uh, Wells, written in 1886. And I got to say, I think, number one, it's the oldest thing on our list this month, but also it's got to be very early into the pulp genre. What year did you say, sorry? 1886. Yeah, that'd be yeah. pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're unf- oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so if you're unfamiliar with this uh, source, and uh, it was on my reading list for many, many years, uh, it is in public domain, so if you have an Apple product, you can get it on books for free, which was really nice. Uh, but it stars uh, Edward Prendick, who... His ship wrecks and is picked up by a, a, a ship that's a trading company going to deliver supplies to an island. And there's very mysterious figures on the ship. But when he gets to the island, uh, is the island of Dr. Moreau. And he slowly unravels the mystery that is Moreau, who he strangely recalls from lots of shocking newspapers back in the day. And he finds out that Dr. Moreau is involved in vivisection, which is the experimentation and surgery on live animals. And he is turning them into weird, almost human hybrids. But he's not using human parts, so don't worry. But He's able to elevate them up into near-human status before they uh, bring about the demise of everyone on the island by resorting back to their animalistic tendencies. There's lots of really neat uh, allusions and um, parallels to society and and theories of society in it. But have you guys uh, any experience with this book? Uh, I saw the really bad movie that had... um, Oh, no. No. Yes. Spy Kids Two. I think there's a different one because isn't um, like Val Kilmer's <laughs> in one. Two is listed, but so is um, oh Brando? Streetcar Named Yeah Marlon Brando. He's in the same one. Is that the same one? Okay, yeah, yeah it's awful. <laughs> it's a it's terrible awful. movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, Doctor Moreau. Uh, yes, I believe so. I'm pretty sure. Also, I think it was his last movie as well. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. Running uh, theme. <laughs> Pulp is where everything goes to die. I actually, like, got, uh, like, I have the book as well. And very, like, in line with the, the pulp genre, I only got it because it had, like, a really crazy cover on the shelf while I was buying textbooks at university. <laughs> and I was like... Huh, that looks interesting. I'm going to buy that, too. Um, that's how I ended up getting it. Did you enjoy nice. it? Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. Um, it is quite short. Um, I don't really have a great way of measuring how many pages because I was reading an ebook, and anybody with an ebook knows that the number of pages changes, but um, it was roughly 97 pages on an iPad, so uh, yeah. have that whatever it is. Um but in terms of how I would use it, it does a really great job of building up mystery while still having a very action-packed element. There's lots of chase scenes, there's lots of gunfights and uh, brawling with these animals, but all the time you're not even really sure what the threat is until the the you know the plot point is revealed deep into the book like it's it ends very very quickly which is a a master of telling stories that take quick turns 
Mm-hmm. So I guess how I would use this for for defining is is yeah building that mystery and then also showing the pacing of action and the <clears> fact that like you can have these scenes that are interlaced with just these small amounts of break in between so that your characters don't get too comfortable you know unlike regular Cthulhu where you're you know maybe you're waiting for a week a week so that people can uh, read a book and uncover the mystery this is like no think on your toes it's about to go down. Jody, did you have anything to add from your time reading it? Not really. Other than maybe just like, like you could piece an interesting villain together out of the the threads of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of Moreau or the animals themselves? Uh, just taking that idea, the experimentation on things and just like running with it. Like, imagine mm-hmm. somebody who had a, a whole stable of, like, Cthulhu mythos monsters that was kind of doing the same thing, and the investigators stumble upon it. Mm-hmm. And, and also having a villain who you don't really take time to justify why they're doing their crimes. It's just that they're doing it because they're innately interested in science. And also the classic intro to a, like, throwaway story, the, like, shipwreck, plane wreck car wreck train wreck etc <laughs> like you're stranded there and there's a reason that you can't leave mm-hmm. yeah like i said very much like this scenario that we played was very much inspired you know you have the plane wreck that you can't get off you've got the the doctor who is experimenting on things and trying to turn them into uh different forms of human uh <clears throat> Yeah, other than having more um, wacky machinery and things like that, it's almost a beat-for-beat similarity. Hey, tabletop players. It's Ruin here. Hi, I'm Kate. From the beginning and now the middle and hopefully still at the end. We hope you're enjoying the episode, and we're just taking a quick coffee refill. And while we're doing that, we're going to update you on some of our uh, social media and different things that we have going on in the Natural 20, which, if you don't know, is where we play all of our fictional games. It's also fictional, but we pretend it's real, so it's as real as we want it to be. When the podcast gets real big, we're going to make a real cafe called the Natural 20. Ruin is just finding out about this now, but this is a thing that we want to do. I'm really excited about it. Yeah! No, we have social media all over the place. We're on pretty much everything. Facebook for all the older folks, Instagram and Twitter for the middle-aged people, and other things. Do we have other things? Are we on TikTok? What is a TikTok? You're starting to show your age. Anyways, make sure you follow us on those places where you can get all of our updates, usually weekly, sometimes daily. It kind of depends on how we're feeling, especially Instagram. That's where we're the most active, so make sure you hit a follow there. Also, make sure that you uh, give us a review on Apple uh, Podcasts because that's where uh, we get a lot of the listens from and people send good feelings our way. As well, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure that you actually follow us. That way you don't have to go and find the episode every time and it looks like there's a whole bunch of people following us and that really helps us with our egos. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a Patreon launching so that we can deliver even more content to you. 
Kate, what's on our Patreon? Oh, man. We have been trying to push Ruin to make a Patreon forever, and we finally broke him, guys. So, we have a Patreon, and if you are willing to part with some of your hard-earned coffee money, uh, you can get some really awesome exclusive content. Uh, we have everything from audio shout-outs uh, to access to the Natural 20 Cafe Discord server, where you and all the other patrons can get together, talk to us hosts, share ideas about all things tabletop and coffee-related. We also have at least three exclusive side podcasts that you can check out exploring everything from uh, how to be a, a dm to solo adventures run by ruin to interviews with industry professionals um as well as we are putting up unedited or at least sl- only slightly edited versions of our podcast episodes so that you can listen to them there uh as well as anything else that we come up with in the next little while. If you want to help us continue making this awesome content for you guys, uh, we would really, really appreciate if you would consider checking out the Patreon and maybe chipping us a couple of bucks. A loony or a toony, yeah. if you're Canadian as well. Yeah, exactly. The starting tier is just uh, $3. That's just slightly more than a regular coffee from Tim Hortons. Uh, and you could get as fancy as a $100 donation, which would go towards you buying us a tabletop system that we will review on the show. For sure. We do want to be clear, though, that absolutely nothing is changing with all of our free content. If you are just comfortable listening to what we already have, it's not going anywhere. You don't need to go to Patreon. However, we would really appreciate it, and we're going to be making even more extra bonus stuff for you guys. Regardless, make sure you hit us up on all of our social media because that's where you'll find any sort of contests or giveaways that we will be doing for the show like we've done in the past. But with that... I think the coffee's done, so we should get back to it. All right, well, who would like to go next? I'll do it. I I took the easy way out, and uh, I watched the third Indiana Jones film, The Last Crusade, the best Indiana Jones film, the last true Indiana Jones film <laughs> before the one that we won't speak of. You don't um, get to have that. <laughs> but I kind of like watched it with like cheesiness in mind. Like I wanted to like imagine it transferred to the pages of like a pulp comic book, if you will. So I kind of looked at it from like what would have happened if this was made by less talented people almost like could this have been bad with worse actors a worse director worse special effects and stuff like that yeah, and it um, did the fourth movie uh, yeah like actually for real <laughs> but it, i got some good laughs out of it because i paid way more attention to like the cheesy little gags between like i guess the plot summary for anybody that hasn't seen it and if you haven't you're crazy Indiana Jones's father gets kidnapped by Nazis who are after the Holy Grail, and Indiana Jones has to go save the world and find the Holy Grail and save his dad. And there's a bunch of funny action scenes. There's five, I think, or six chases. It's like a horse chase, a train chase, a boat chase, a car chase, a tank chase. There's a plane chase. There's six <laughs> chases. Like, it's nothing but nonstop action with, like, five-second scenes to, like, keep the plot going forward. And, like, it really is, to me, the pulp genre or theme done to, like, perfection. 
It's got like everything you need. The heroes win in every situation, even though they seem like they're outnumbered. It has cheesy gags and funny moments. It has like such a clear good versus evil. Like there is absolutely no like, uh, um, well, like I don't know, absolutely no What's gray area. For? Gray area. There, like something like that. There's no gray area between the protagonists and the villains, and like you're not questioning people's motivations. It's just, like, to me, a classic fun time popcorn movie that, like, fits this genre perfectly. You know, and there's there's something there about it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also doesn't feel like it's a joke at the same time. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, it, it's doing it respectfully. And I would say that this is one of the, the parallels that I feel between a movie like Indiana Jones and also the Marvel movies, which I know, Jody, you're not a fan of. but I'm a fan of the good ones. I like good movies. Oh, that's a very subjective opinion, sir. <laughs> but, but what I will say that holds them together is that idea that, like, you're right. There are clear heroes and villains. There's really no gray area. Like, very few, at least, of the movies. I know the comics get a little bit grittier. Um, but very often, there's no gray area and i'm talking marvel i know batman movies have that gray area talk about society but i mean sometimes you just want to be taken out of real world and see heroes beat up bad guys jaden k do you have any uh, seven chase scenes within the span of two hours (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah Uh, jaden k thoughts on indiana jones have you guys watched this uh, I've seen all of them. It's been a really long time, though, um, so I don't really feel qualified enough to talk about them um, at any great length. I think they're a lot of fun, and I think that you could totally take the like archaeologist in over his head kind of idea for a really cool campaign. Um, but other than that, uh, I mean, as long as he's not surviving a nuke in a fridge, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe it's because my first introduction to Pulp Cthulhu was like from watching a Seth Skorkowski video on it, and he, like, heavily references Indiana Jones for, like, most of these. <laughs> I think he even wears, like, an Indiana Jones costume for part of the video. But, like, that's just exactly what I think of when somebody says, like, Pulp Fiction, other than the Tarantino yeah. movie. It's just like, huh, like the bucket hat, Indiana Jones, leather jacket, whip, let's go, fight some yeah. Nazis. Yeah. It's definitely Not a bucket one of hat. solid archetype. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything really to say. Like, I'm like, Kate, I haven't seen them in a long time, but I feel like they hold up. Everyone says they sound like they hold up, so everyone should watch them. I remember them being great, so I'm sure they're great. <laughs> well, and they're planning a fifth movie, so oh, obviously... Let uh, it die. They must hold up die. somehow, let right? It, I find it crazy that you guys haven't watched them recently. I, like, I love these movies. Just let them die. I, Jody, I know the second might. one. I'm a I'm a firm apologist for the Temple of Doom. I don't I don't care. I like Temple like of it. Doom. Oh, I think yeah. Temple of Doom is actually my favorite. But really, that's nice. also the first one I watched, so it could be that nostalgia yeah. factor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Not I clearly remember my parents bringing it home. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, no, that that part I do see as problematic nowadays. But um, no, I think it's my my parents, my dad specifically, who was a trucker, brought it home uh, on a VHS because he picked it up at like a gas station as something for him to watch while out on the road. And um, yeah, I never looked back. It was great. I used to watch it all the time. Uh, I actually hadn't seen the other ones until, well, I saw uh, the unmentionable one. <laughs> I saw that one in theater, but the other two I hadn't watched until uh, about 
two years ago, I had some surgery and had to stay home for a week. And so I was like, let's watch all of them. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy um, you hadn't seen Raiders. Like, that is the classic. Yeah. And that's also one that growing up, people are like, what do you mean you haven't seen Raiders? And I was, it was almost like at that point, I was like, well, now I'm not watching it. Screw you guys. <laughs> uh, Jody, it might seem obvious, but how would you, like, what would you really steal for, for a campaign of Cthulhu, Pulp Cthulhu, or a game like it? Uh, the the globe-hopping flow of, like, at least the first and third. The second one is kind of like in one location for most of it. But like in the first and third movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade, like almost every like second scene, they're in like a different continent or country or locale completely. And I think that like helps make everything a little bit more epic because there's a different like giant set piece in the backdrop or like a different like challenge to the environment. I think that's one thing that I would definitely take from the Indiana Jones series is to like think of a bunch of cool set pieces in different ways and make cool ways for them to get there, like hijacking planes from the army base or sneaking aboard a ship and going across the ocean or like stealing a submarine or something like that. And then the other one, obviously, is just like, we just play Indiana Jones. If you're going to play Pulp Cthulhu, just play Indiana Jones. <laughs> I think that's like a hallmark of most of what I at least had on the list of my watch list of like pulp is it seems to have very diverse locales throughout the story like i think it's almost like yeah. a requirement to have it be a really fun pulp long-term scenario at least like i get how where we played we maybe couldn't be around the world yeah. in four sessions but if you're playing like at least eight you should at least be in two parts of the world yeah and they're never like like a, a everyday locale right like you're not going mm-hmm. from like the suburbs in this place to the rural countryside in this place it's like secret underground military base cut to ancient castle used in medieval rituals cut to hidden ancient cave in the jungle like just really cool places you should put it in like the big tropes of what someone thinks of right so if you think of egypt cairo is like quintessential egypt for most Mm -hmm. people so why would you put it in like oh yeah you're just in some little village in egypt that's kind of cool and maybe more reasonable for finding like a cool you know, new dig site, but you should probably put it in Cairo because we want to play in Cairo. Come on. Or have at least one part of it be there. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that's the masks of, the masks of Nyarlathotep. Um, that is a, a globe trotting adventure. They actually, one of the maps that they include in the box set is like the red line map of the different locations that you can go to. It's also open, uh, to you start in one location always, but the investigators have the option of where to go next. So every adventure could look different, even though you'll probably visit all the same locales after a while. All right, Kate, well, why don't you uh, end us off with yours? Sure. So I didn't quite go back as far as Ruin did, but still pretty healthily far. Um, as I've alluded to, I'm a big comic books fan. So I decided to go back to the actual pulp magazines um, and comics that kind of sparked the genre. Uh, and I decided to focus my my research, as I'm going to call it, on uh, Doc Savage, who is... <sighs> controversially sometimes heralded as being like the first superhero um, because he came out um, about three nah, no it was more like came out a few years before Superman um, 
basically Doc Savage, for people who don't know, um, is just a guy who is real good at martial arts and detective work and being a a manly dude who goes around <laughs> and beats other people uh, at so, things. So he's Batman, but without the cape and cowl? Kinda, but also doesn't hide who he is, like, at all, and, like, has no problems with, like, hurting people. Um, he is... Wait, wait, so will there be people who are like, oh, no, it's Doc Savage, cheese it! Yeah, 100%, like, I'm... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's a comic of it, yep. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so he was described by, like, the guy who made him as a combination of Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, and Abraham Lincoln. Um... That's what we need. Is it <laughs> not, that's what yeah, we need, but not like, for his honesty, just for his stance on slavery. Like, also, if you know, pick. if you know and anything about, yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> if you know anything about Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln is the combination of Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, and Abraham Lincoln. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> least of all, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, at least. Well, that's the smallest part of Abraham Lincoln is Abraham Lincoln. Um, but anyway, so I. I had a tough time finding, um, like, the the first comics appearance of him, because he appeared as a secondary character in another comic uh, that was featuring the Shadow, which, for my money, was the first superhero not masked. Uh, the first masked one was, obviously, we've talked about the Phantom. Uh, but anyway, uh, but so he was like a backup character, and then he got moved over to his own comic. So I did find the very first issue of his own Doc Savage comics line. Um, and it features him in what might be one of the most convoluted stories I have ever read to the point where I had to make sure multiple times that I had the first issue because it was making reference to events that happened before the first issue. Um, <laughs> it starts with him on an island fighting a bad guy named Carr. K-A-R, who is literally just a vaguely old man in a red, like, cloak and a black domino mask, um, who doesn't appear to have any kind of powers or plan. He's just a bad guy. Um, This island apparently has dinosaurs on it, and then by page two, we're (laughs) off the island and we're solving a bank robbery. Um, (laughs) the, The bank robbery is being committed by some gangster people that apparently work for Carr, but nobody knows why they're stealing this money. Also, I find it funny because they show the bags of money and label how much is in them, and if you add it all up, it's like less than $30,000. Um, <laughs> which, if you do the conversion, is still not that much money. Uh, it's not a lot. But anyway. on payroll that month, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Doc Savage goes and fights them, chases them into a sewer where apparently that's where Carr's, like, secret lab is. And he keeps using something called the Smoke of Eternity, which, depending on what panel you're reading, does different things. <laughs> sometimes it's fire. Sometimes it's acid. Sometimes it's poisonous. Um... Doc Savage gets trapped underneath a plate and they shoot the smoke of eternity at him and he says that one touch of that chemical and I'm a goner but then it melts the plate so he can get out from under it and he's standing amongst the smoke and he's like oh man I'm glad the smoke melted the plate um <laughs> literally two panels next to each other describing and doing two different things um and then it's fire and then uh yeah they Oh, and then it's explosive. Then Carr shoots the, the smoke of eternity and it blows up. Um, 
But because Doc Savage is a real good dude, he saves Carr from that. Uh, and then Carr runs away, and they go back to the island with the dinosaurs. Um, there's some real bad depictions of uh, black people. Uh, and then there's a dinosaur, and then it goes, oh, well, you'll have to find out next issue. Um, and then it goes into a bunch of like side stories, one of which is a comic book adaptation of Treasure Island. Um is this still during Doc the... Savage? <laughs> this is May 1940. Uh, so is this still the era where like comic books are underground? Uh, Let's put it this way okay. too. This is like 1940. There's some things going on in the world that are a little yeah. more important than comic books. Oh no! Actually, Our quality control editor had to go fight the Nazis. Comic books were actually super important during World War II because they would send shipments of them to troops overseas so that the troops could see that like people were supporting them back home. That's why Captain America blew up as big as he did. Okay, um, okay. It was like the highest sure. percentage of readers was actually adult um like soldiers um like three or four times as much as kids reading them um, okay I, I just wasn't sure if uh yeah you know, like it was one of those things of like we don't do uh like um control of of, of plots and canon because like we're trying not to get caught so the longer we have to ruminate on it the the Less we get out there. Yeah, so, like, continuity was not an issue. Like, they didn't care at all. Nobody was like, man, I wonder what people are going to think about these characters in 90 years. Um, so, like, that wasn't <laughs> something they were worried about. No. Yeah. Um, but this is, like, still in, like, the golden age of comics. And, like, Doc Savage was, like, a well-respected, like, comic book figure. Um, yeah, and he... Yeah, he was apparently a big deal. The art style is awful. Um, I like, and anybody who's like, oh man, just like, it's changed. Like, no, I've looked at old comic books and old artists and they're really good. This is really bad. In some panels, his head is significantly larger than his torso. He doesn't have a neck all the time. It, it depends on whether or not the artist wanted to draw it that time. Yeah, they're real bad. They're interesting. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, Doc Savage has been made into a movie, um, and they're looking at really? making another one, potentially starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, that just got shifted into being now a TV series, um, but that was just announced last year, so that might still be happening. It's being directed by guess. Shane Black. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if I had to guess, it went public domain recently. I, I suspect. Um, actually, it might not have though, because DC Comics now owns the rights to it. Oh, because enough. he's now part of like he's met Batman. Uh, <laughs> okay, but right. I just say that Doc Savage has a widow's peak that makes mine jealous. Like, because if oh, you see me in real life, like I have a crazy ass. Widow's Peak, and but, his is glorious. But also, then, if you go back and look at him in, like, 1933, like, he looks kind of like Marlon Brando, like, on the cover, but then you open it up, and he looks like your weird uncle who's had too much to drink, and then he gets the Widow's Peak down the road. <laughs> well, so what he if looks Marlon like Brando is your weird uncle? Marlon Brando. Oh, man, he would be the best weird uncle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he also has, um... Oh gosh, who's that one actor? It's the one that like Troy McClure from The Simpsons is partially based <laughs> off of. Oh yeah, no, I know who you're talking about, but it definitely has that same vibe. Uh, I've only ever seen one movie with him in it, and it is like yeah, <laughs> the, the guy same from jingle all the way. No, no, uh, <laughs> like old. Honestly, he was in a lot of pulp movies. Okay. <laughs> 
But yeah, so uh, oh, that's man. Doc Savage. This original comic cost ten cents. Uh, it was a big deal, apparently. Um, and yeah, it is. It is something. He's also sometimes called the Man of Bronze. Never found out why. Don't know why that's his like side name, but yeah, because Not there was another Man of Steel around. <laughs> I mean, time. you know what? That might honestly be it. <laughs> I think you'd pick something like maybe not better than steel, but like at least iron or something yeah, harder at least than better bronze. But it, is it like in history, like the Bronze Age before the Silver Age or Steel Age or whatever? So it might have yeah, been like yeah. a we were oh, first kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, he has also apparently. So like when you look on his Wikipedia page and you look at like what he does, uh, he's a doctor and a scientist and an adventurer and a detective and a polymath <laughs> who writes wrongs and punishes evildoers, which I think is great. I want that on my CV. Um, I mostly appreciate that polymath got included yeah, in yeah, a pretty extensive CV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I feel like at that time, that would be like saying someone's a theoretical physicist today. Basically, yeah. He's also a surgeon and an inventor and a martial artist. He has a photographic memory and he's a master of disguise. Um, so he's just the best at anything. And a master of disguise. Like, so, he doesn't uh, need superpowers. He is, like, he is the most perfect human being. He already has superpowers. He has the power of no flaws. Yeah. And also, like, he's, like, apparently in-universe, like, a mild celebrity, um, because, like, he has, his base is on the 86th floor of what is heavily implied to be the Empire State Building. It's never explicitly said, but it looks exactly like it, and they're just like, ah, yes, the building. Um, yeah. (laughs) I wonder how many floors are in the Empire State Building, and I hope... Probably 86. Just to be, like, a He's so powerful, he got extra floors. Yeah. Wow. Just so, so inspirational. I, I agree. Uh, Doc Savage is a national hero. Uh, not our nation, but he is a national hero. Um, and yeah. And if you are going to use Doc Savage uh, I th- in your tabletop role-playing game to try to rein this whole thing back in, um, mm-hmm. I think... The best way to do it is to channel that energy of very loose rules and understanding about the way the world works. Um, take the smoke of eternity as your guideline, and uh, depending on what combat you're in, have things do wildly different things. Whatever fits the plot the best at that point in time. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, well... That has been our curated list of inspiration, lore, and media for running your next game of Pulp Cthulhu, Cthulhu 7th Edition, or anything similar. But with that, I'm out of coffee, and that means it's time.